Welcome to Where the Lotus Grows, Getting Dirty and Growing Strong with Kimberly Searle and Tanya Drew. As integrative sustainable movement educators and health advocates, our goal is to provide you with evidence-based information gathered from research, experts in the field, and our personal and professional experience to help you advocate for your own health and wellness. Our mission is to collaboratively navigate the thick, muddy waters of life to empower, accept, and cultivate our most authentic selves. Hi, Courageitarians. Welcome back. Tanya and I are excited to be bringing a muscle skeletal condition to you today. Before we get started, I'd like to thank NJA1000 for your review, where you're looking forward to more. NJA1000 writes, very empowering, insightful, and educational. Kim and Tanya do a great job of unpacking the power of yoga therapy in a relatable and understandable way. Looking forward to more episodes. Well, we're looking forward to sharing those episodes with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Right into the episode. Today, we're discussing musculoskeletal conditions, part five, the knees and lower extremities. So as you all know, we first kind of get a, get a barometer for how people or how people view knees and yoga, yoga therapy. So the most commonly Googled conditions for yoga for the knee um, in the list comes up as knee pain, knees in general, uh, knee arthritis, knee replacement, and knee bursitis. Uh, additionally, knee pain can be caused by knee injuries, deformities such as bow legs or knock knees, uh, lack of blood flow to the knee. So let's discuss just a little bit arthritis, commonly rheumatoid arthritis. The immune system attacks itself or attacks the body itself. Often in the knees, this results in a breakdown of the lining, the cartilage, and a loss of synovial fluid in the joint capsule. Um, Bursitis is inflammation of the bursa around the joint capsule in the knee. And then, of course, knee replacement is the replacement of an artificial joint. Typically, this is, uh, so they replace the joint itself, and we'll get into the anatomy in in just a little bit. Uh, But this is typically made of metal or plastic, and it commonly occurs when arthritis has just completely worn away all of the um, soft tissue in the in the joint itself and the joint is it's just bone on bone rubbing against itself and it needs to be replaced so kim how about common knee problems for you i have to say a couple things before we get started on that Uh, well you're when you're talking about knee replacement and uh, metal or plastic it reminded me of a time that i was doing my student teaching for pilates up at my friend's studio and um, I'm working with a client, and, you know, you, when you're working with a new client, you ask, you know, is there anything I need to know? You know? And um, she was like, yeah, I have cadaver parts in my knee. And I was like, oh, my oh. God, I didn't even know that was a thing. And um, so she had, uh, you know, put on some weight and the knees buckled underneath the weight. And so they used um, some cadaver parts to put her knees back together for her. And oh, um, so I thought they- that was kind of neat. 
Yeah. So like, do you know like the details? Now I'm all like, I want, yeah. I want to know. Was it, was it a cadaver? That, that was, a, was it a about, cadaver? <laughs> yeah, that was like 12 years ago. So okay. I don't remember the particulars about it, but that was my first time to oh, know, really but that was even something that was a thing. And I, it just, as you were talking, it just sparked that memory um, from me. And then the other thing I was thinking is, you know, how serendipitous we just stocked talked to uh, Dr. Munoz about yoga therapy and arthritis and, you know, it's coming up here in the knees and yes. um, we couldn't have planned that any better to follow. <laughs> no, well, and I'm, I'm currently working with a client whose uh, RA has flared back in her knee. And so refreshing preparing for this episode has been really helpful because I'm like, Oh yeah, this, this, <laughs> as we were thinking about, you know, how I, I was thinking about how I work with, with the client when uh, looking at all of this information? Well, uh, to answer your question, for me, common knee problems uh, that I see are hyperextension. And then the feet are either supinating or pronating and tight muscles. Mm -hmm. So um, for hyperextension, just to bring everybody up to speed, that's when the knee joint is overly flexible and your tibia bone moves past the femur in extension. So, Instead of the two bones stacking directly one on top of the other, that would be considered healthy extension. Um, it moves too far past the joint um, of being straight. And, can, and this so, can happen when the knee locks too, right? Like hyperextension is when you kind of lock your knees? Yeah, yes. Or no? Lock, well, if you lock a joint out, then another joint has to give way somewhere else. So what I find is that when a client is hyperextending or locking their knees out, then the low back starts to hyperextend. Um, you know, it's like somewhere in the spinal column kind of gives to another um, bend in its way. Uh, and so you can think of hyperextension can either be uh, like born or it could be functional by habitually locking the knees out. So um, the okay. Natural History Museum in Cleveland has one of the larger compilations of human bones. And so, you know, when we learn anatomy, it's usually on a piece of paper uh, when we're in school. And so, you know, we think all bones look the same, but while they may have the same basic shape, uh, there are differences in those mm -hmm. bones. So I have had clients that visually to the eye appear as though they're hyperextending but not really because that's how their joint um, has been made or their bones have been made. Um, but then there's also the times, you know, when we're doing dishes or standing in line somewhere and we're locking our knees out um, mm -hmm. and kind of sending and forcing it back. Um, the other one is uh, our feet. So our feet are foundation, right? And so we always know that a foundation with any structure is crucial to the integrity of the structure. So the feet function um, best when your arches are strong and the four corners of the feet are in balance. And by four corners, I mean your big toe, your pinky toe, you know, but both sides of those ankles um, are healed. Because sometimes you, you hear it referred to as three points or four points. And right. if you hear them talking about three points, it's the big toe, pinky, and, you know, the center of the heel. Um, so there's a little bit of kind of back and forth in our industry about that. But right. um Supination is common in individuals with high arches and pronation is associated with people who have flat arches or 
um, collapsed arches individually. And so I always think of like supination, right? You're rolling too far out to the pinky toes. So um, like you're going to hold a bowl of soup. And then pronation is uh, the ankle bones maybe falling into the center. I hope I have that right, but I think I do. (laughs) I believe so. (laughs) You know, as soon as you start to say it, you question yourself, right? Right. Um, So basically, uh, one side of the ankle is being overdeveloped while the other side is being underdeveloped. And this pattern, you know, runs up the body, making small miscalculations throughout to compensate for the poor um, foundation. So as you age and the longer this process of this compensation pattern goes on, you start to see the meniscus and the cartilage under the kneecap wear unevenly. And this is where people create discomfort. You'll start to see arthritis being produced in the knee. And then the last thing that I see, and I see this probably um, most of all, is our tight muscles being bringing the joint uh, out of alignment. So our muscles, when they are um, healthy, they're both strong and supple. And ligaments, once torn, stretched, or um, out of shape, you know, they don't heal, they don't go back. So let's say, for example, you have like a tight outer hip or a hamstring, both put undue stress on the knee joint. And oftentimes we're not even realizing that we're like losing our range of motion in a joint until it's been substantially reduced. So this can be prevented um, through stretching. So stretch first and then bring some flex- some strength back into it. Right. And we'll, we'll kind of talk a little bit more too about how uh, stretching and strengthening can help in all, but particularly the knee. One of the things that you said that made me think, you know, we were discussing the feet, how that can affect the knee. And we may have discussed this when we talked about hips, but, you know, it's all a chain coming up. And, and you mentioned the low back as well. But the hips are another place that if something's going wrong in the feet, uh, then it can affect the knees. The knees can affect the hips and vice versa. So um, it's all, it's all, I say this all the time to my clients, it's all connected. Yeah, right? We are a kinetic chain, right? <laughs> so poor compensation patterns can, can come all the way from the feet and affect the knees, the hips, the low back, shoulder, jaw all of that. Um, As we move on, I want to discuss the anatomy of the knee a little bit. So like the elbow, uh, the knee is a hinge joint. So it is a hinge joint between that occurs between the thigh bone, so the femur, and the shin bones. So uh, mostly the tibia, but the fibula gets an honorable mention there. And the kneecap, uh, or the patella, and the femur and tibial joint, so the femur and the tibial joint form the tibiofemoral joint and the kneecap rests on the front of the femur or the patellofemoral joint. Uh, to make this work, then you need all of the muscle groups around it to help bend the knee or extend the leg. So the quadriceps on the front of the thigh are the extensors. The hamstrings on the back are the flexors. The muscles on the inner thigh are the hip abductors. The outer thigh muscles are the hip abductors or abductors, we like to say to differentiate. So these inner thigh muscles help to keep the knee on track that Kim mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, 
they help keep the knee on track properly, it requires the strength, particularly of the inner quad or the vastus medialis. So oftentimes, if that knee is coming off track or that patella, the cap seems to be coming off track, then strength is needed on the inner thigh. It can be a little tricky to isolate that area for clients to feel uh, what that's about. So what what are your takes on that, Kim? You know, I have a little knee model that I show my clients because, you know, the femur at the end has a little groove and then Mm -hmm. um, the tibia fibula coming up, right? They have, it has a little groove. And uh, the patella on the backside has like a little indent and the patella rides between those grooves between the two bones as we're hinging it. Yeah. And so when the muscles become too tight, it pulls it out of its groove and that's what doesn't feel, you know, so hot as we're, we're moving and stuff. I think it's important too, to, to look at the knee, the emotional component to the knees because the knees enable you to move, dance, run and to stand straight in the world, but they're also connected to our pride, self-righteousness, arrogance, and ego, as well as surrender, grace, and humility. So if you think about a dancer, you know, if they had their knees didn't bend, we probably would not enjoy watching them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, it wouldn't be as, as pleasurable to the eye. I mean, you can think about just trying to walk around your house without bending your knees and people will perceive that as an arrogance or stiff attitude. But by bending our knees, we can release and express our feelings. You know, that's, can I pause for just a minute? Because as you were saying, the arrogance and the stiff attitude and walking around without bending your knees, I was thinking about like, um, like military marches. Yeah. As particularly of like uh, fascist regimes. (laughs) And you know, do you know what I mean? They have that like really stiff, yeah, um, I think it's called the, is it called the, the like, goose, the goose step or something? I, I think, yeah, I think uh, particularly with uh, World War II and, and Hitler stuff, but I think a couple other militaries use that, or is it all militaries called the goose step? Oh, I don't, I don't know. That's Maybe somebody can my, let us know if it's up on their military knowledge. Out of my, <laughs> out of my realm completely. I'm speaking way out of school. But just the thought of it being like the arrogance and the stiff attitude and then thinking about, um, I, I, don't, I don't picture our military doing that. I really think of like, you know, old school, strict yeah, fascist I, I know. military. I, I don't really know either. Um, but I think that we march more than right. I think we have more of a bent to our knees. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. interesting though. That now, when we're a, done with this call, I'm going to have to go Google yeah, it. Right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We'll have to add a correction to next episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, go ahead. But by but by bending our knees, right, it releases and expresses our feelings. Sure. So when we have too much pride, we, we may find ourselves stumbling a lot because mm. pride usually comes before a fall. And kneeling is an act of humbling yourself. So if you allow your knees to bend, to give way, that helps you uh, with humility. Mm. So without it, right, we have a tendency to be stubborn, proud, inflexible. You might even think of um, when you're fearful, right? You have this knocking and trembling. Right. And 
the ability to stand up with the knee allows us to claim our place in the world and develop a greater self-esteem and confidence. So the knees are like shock absorbers, taking the strain below and also the weight of the body above and the ups and downs of the terrain right below. So it's, it's managing that for, our, for us. Mm-hmm. And the knees are kind of major weight carriers. So if our, our body weight becomes too much, our knees may show strain. And then this could be emotional weight or physical weight. The other thing um, is like if you have water on the knee, that may indicate that you're holding emotional energy, particularly resistance to surrender. Um, or maybe there's too much emotion to cope with the weight and you need to give yourself um, some additional support. An inflamed knee may indicate that someone or something's irritating you or angering you and there needs to be some special attention there. And then a dislocated knee shows resistance to giving way. The knee can no longer take the pressure and it, it starts to collapse. Mm. Wow, that's really fascinating. That was from um, Shapiro, right, Deb Shapiro? Yeah. So my, my um, talking points for today came from Your Body Speaks Your Mind from Deborah Shapiro. And I also like this book called Yoga for Healthy Knees by Sandy Blaine. And I learned about this yoga for healthy knees when um, we took the experiential anatomy course. Oh, right. Right. Which is uh, Judith Hanson Lasseter. Correct. uh, Lizzie Lasseter and Mary Richards. Shout out, ladies. Okay. So ways in which yoga can help. So first of all, we've kind of discussed a little bit that stretching, Right. is great for the knee is stretching first and then strengthening. So all of the muscle groups surrounding the knees, um, including the ankle. Um, one of the things that, as again, as you were talking about the importance of feet and stabilization for the rest of the body, I was thinking about, um, I know a lot of people when they start yoga, in particular fit people, who already feel that they're uh, in pretty good shape say that yoga is the best workout and they start to notice it particularly with all of the tiny muscles and in the ankle and, and how much it takes to balance um, in the postures to, to hold the postures specifically when they start to ground themselves and notice the, the three or four corners of the feet um, that, that, that's where their attention is brought most often. And then thinking about those areas needing to be strong so that the knee, so that the whole kinetic chain is supported all the way up. But I just, I just found that interesting that again, it's all connected. So I think people think about like the big guns, you know, the bigger muscles and they forget about those secondary muscles really offer a lot of support and stability. Yeah, well, if you're standing in a lunged posture like a warrior, um, for experienced yogis, I think that maybe those larger muscle muscle groups are noticed uh, right off the bat. Um, But I think for people who really work on those larger muscle groups, I'm thinking like weightlifters and, and bodybuilders and some of the people that I'm thinking of that have mentioned these tiny muscles in their ankle that they didn't realize, like that's where they're like, Oh, well, it doesn't, I'm not feeling it. My quads or my hamstrings so much as in my feet and my ankles. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, additionally, yoga is great for modification for injury or for conditions such as uh, rheumatoid arthritis, osteoarthritis. Uh, so the modifications that yoga can provide allow you to stretch and strengthen and work on things in a very safe way. So modifications could range from the use of props, uh, bolsters beneath the knees, a uh, blanket underneath the knees and something, a kneeling posture. Um, but additionally, and, and our last episode, uh, Stephanie touched on this a little bit, but the, the, all the other ways that yoga helps with pain. She was specifically discussing arthritis, but with pain in general, breathing, body sensing, um, acceptance in some ways, uh, learning to breathe into or move past pain. So the, the whole body approach of yoga is also helpful for um, pain associated with that. And then injury prevention. So yoga can strengthen to prevent injury if you are in another sport, another athlete. Um, I, I think senior yoga is really great for uh, people to strengthen and prevent injury, particularly in the knee. Uh, because again, it's all connected. If something happens with the knee, the knee goes, you could fall, you fall, you break the hip, you break the hip and you end up in a long rehab process and it's just terrible. So yoga as preventative measure as well. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, I've worked with people um, and I'm speaking particularly knee replacement right now. And working prior to, I hear back like, wow, thank you for getting me strong before surgery because that recovery period is really difficult Mm -hmm. and they needed to learn how to work, you know, the core, the muscles around the knee, get it as strong as possible um, to help in that recovery phase. But also, you know, how you talked about the other aspects of yoga, because sometimes I have clients that are having a hard time making the decision to have the knee replacement. And so those mm-hmm. other components of yoga help them with that decision process, as well as coming off of um, the surgery, recovery of that. Um, in the allopathic world, there's not a lot spent with that on the emotional side. And so I've had some people that needed to work through um, the emotional piece uh, of coming off of surgery. You know, they go to physical therapy, but also oftentimes there are some components there missing and that's, you know, just focused on the muscle skeletal area. Um, sure. Well, and you talked about all of the emotional associations with the knee. And then if mm-hmm. you go in and have surgery and maybe have a total knee replacement, I'm sure that there's um, an, a, a larger emotional component to that than we give credit to because that part of the body has now been replaced. Yes. Yep. Well said. So yoga for a variety of knee issues, a great preventative measure that like we discussed to protect the knee. Um, That said, I want to take a moment and discuss how yoga can be injurious to the knee if not practiced properly and with care. So I think a lot of times um, when we see yogis who have had injury or have had to have, maybe even had to have a replacement because of injuries related to yoga, it's typically typically in uh, these joints. So it's typically in the knee or in the hip, right? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think that there is a tremendous amount of care that needs to be taken in practicing yoga. And you probably, if you're a practitioner, don't even notice the small cues that your instructor gives you day in and day out when you practice to keep the knee soft, uh, where to keep tracking when you're in a posture, uh, like Kim said, where the, where the points of your feet should be to keep your knees safe, uh, whether or not you should. Um, oftentimes there is the soften the knee cue that's given to make sure that the knee is soft and that you're not hyperextending, as Kim said, uh, properly kneeling and not putting pressure on the patella directly, right? Um, are there other, did I cover everything, Kim, as far as uh, preventative measure goes? I mean, obviously you can put. Yeah. I mean, there's so much, yeah, there's so much and it's hard to, um, you know, remember it all without a body in front of you. But I think Mm -hmm. it's important, you know, sometimes we think yoga is always about going big and going to our fullest extension. And, uh, then there are others that, you know, hold back. So I think it's, it's learning about you and your body and determining and each pose is this a pose that I need to pull back a little bit from because I need to gain the strength or is this a pose that I need to go a little further into and I need to stretch. Um, and if you don't have that discernment yet, you know, working with a professional will help you uh, mm-hmm. guide you into that answer. But, um, you know, I think it's really getting to know that about yourself. Oh, absolutely. A personal anecdote, getting back to the mat after having the baby. So being pregnant, then your body produces relaxin and you're a little bit more flexible and you can do a little bit more. Uh, At the same time, your equilibrium is completely thrown off because you've got a lot more weight on the front of your body. And for me, I practice right up until the week that I have the baby. (laughs) Um, But coming back to the mat, obviously, I took some recovery time. Coming back to the mat, I made all the modifications that I needed to make while I was pregnant. But when you come back, you kind of forget that, okay, well, now I don't have this other human in my body. I should be able to do all of the things that I could do before, right? (laughs) Right away. (laughs) And you definitely can't. And even poses, finding stability in poses that I love. I love triangle pose one of my favorites but finding that I did need to shorten my stance I did need to um, keep my knees soft because I did feel myself kind of locking into my knees because I was unstable mainly because I didn't have the core strength (laughs) from you know obvious reasons that I'd had prior to Um, and I'd made those modifications while I had the baby uh, while I was pregnant but realizing that I still had to modify and gain strength and make things work for me a little more, how injurious it could be if I just tried to hop right back in and go with where I left off, um, particularly in the knees and the hips. So it's interesting to think of how that played in for me. Yeah, absolutely. So importance of, of discernment and practice. I was just going to say, yeah, that's the <laughs> lesson. 
Always, always. Well, I think this wraps up our brief discussion of the knee. As always, you can come to our website to get a little bit more of the resources that we discussed um, and find some more information there. Did you have anything else to add, Kim? Are we... No, I think that this was a lovely discussion. I appreciated it. <sighs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate you, Courageitarians. We hope that you like what you hear and that you check us out on all of our social media platforms and let us know how we're doing. You can go to our website, wherethelotusgrows.com, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I think we are where the Lotus G1, if you'd like to hit us up on Twitter, but we're in all those places. We'd love to hear from you. And then of course, rate us on your favorite. What is this podcast? Yeah, that's right. On your favorite podcast platform. (laughs) Baby brain is still very much a thing. Uh, Rate us on your favorite podcast platform. Let us know how we're doing. And if you are, uh, somebody who does that we might read and give you a shout out on a future episode thank you so much thank you for listening to where the lotus grows join us in further conversations we believe that you bring valuable knowledge to this community you can find us at where the lotus where the lotus grows on instagram and facebook or twitter where the lotus g1 because we were not on top of that one Remember that though we are professionals in our field, the topics discussed and or advice given is general information and not intended to treat or diagnose. Please seek the guidance of a medical, integrative health, bodywork, or yoga therapy professional for a full evaluation. If you like what you hear, please take the time to rate us on iTunes or your preferred podcast platform.